I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to IntroVets Podcast. Hi. We're back with another episode. <laughs> Yay. That was very, like professional announcer voice right there yeah we're back with another episode of season four <laughs> i feel like i've missed my calling on this yep should have been a dj i should have oh girl i would be i would be so good at being a dj i mean like oh, <laughs> 1990s career of my dreams yeah i don't think there's very many of them left anymore no they just do computer mm-hmm. okay well whatever yeah. anyway I feel like I would be one of those people that, like, you hear their voice a lot and you have an idea of what they look like in your head. And then you see them and you're like, what is that? <laughs> like, I did not expect that person to look that way mm-hmm. because I have that happen a lot with people I listen to when I'm like, I kind of imagine this person mm-hmm. based on no information, but their voice and personality. <laughs> And it's like their avatar that I have made for them. And then when I see them in person, I'm like, where is your avatar? What the hell? You look nothing like it. Sorry. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. So, JJ. Yep. Today we have another case. As always, when we read cases on the podcast, they are presented anonymously. That means that the identifying information of the patients and clients, and in some cases, the veterinarians have been changed. And some minor details might have been changed as well that don't affect the outcome of the case, but help disguise the identity of the people involved. So today we have a male intact 12-week-old golden retriever mixed puppy presented to the general practice for vaccines and a new puppy visit. Okay. The owner also wants a veterinarian to check some bumps that are on the puppy's face. Hmm. Puppy face bumps. Weird. Okay. So new patient appointment, 12-week-old golden retriever puppy. Okay. Mm -hmm. The puppies had two previous series of vaccinations, one at six weeks and one at nine weeks, as you do. Okay. And he has been dewormed twice with parental, but the owners are not sure of the exact dates. Okay. Um, And how long have they had the puppy? Any other history do we know? Did, you know, the health care that's been provided so far come from a veterinarian? Or was this like a do-it-yourself breeder situation? Or do we know anything else? So the owners have had the puppy for about a week, and the previous vaccinations were performed by the breeder's veterinarian, but that's all the history from them we have. Okay. Well, um, what are we seeing on the physical exam? We're bright, alert, and responsive. Temperature is 100.3 degrees Fahrenheit. Vitals normal, and puppy's in good body condition. There's uh, about four to five pustules noted on the muzzle and ventral abdomen near the prepuce, and the remainder of the physical exam is unremarkable. When I am thinking about a wish list for this puppy, um, I want to know what those little lesions are like. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be like, you know, get myself a slide and get in there real good. <laughs> get an impression smear, do a cytology, you know, mm-hmm. in-house there, stain it and see what we got. And then, you know, even if it's just pustules, our friend Demodex can be hiding. So mm-hmm. I would want to do a skin scraping and look for Demodicosis. Uh, just to make sure I didn't see anything naughty like that. Yeah, that would be nice, but we didn't have any diagnostics performed, so we don't have any of that info. 
No test so far. Okay. Uh, so what was done? They started the puppy on chlorhexidine wipes for suspected puppy pyoderma. Okay, so a topical chlorhexidine product mm-hmm. in, a, in a little wipe form. Yep. And they also put the puppy on a broad-spectrum monthly parasite preventative. Okay, just as part of, like, his normal mm-hmm. puppy visit. I mean, I think chlorhexidine wipes is reasonable. Maybe the pustules aren't that exciting. You know, I, I will say that. I have not done cytologies and skin scrapes on every single puppy pyoderma case that I've seen come into practice, okay? Yeah. Depending on kind of how bad it looks and what the dog looks like and also whether the owner is, like, willing to let me do, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes yeah. you don't know. So, um, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, going with the topical product, I feel like, is less uh worrisome as far as empirical therapy than like uh going straight for like a big gun antibiotic orally so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that's cool put the batrel down please okay. put the batrel down in this puppy <laughs> i'm guessing since that's not the end of the episode that <laughs> this is not the whole story on this puppy nope okay so a couple of days later the puppy was seen again because the owners were worried about an ear infection now uh, the puppy's external canals were ulcerated, and more pustules were noted on the muzzle, and the ears were painful to the touch. Ooh. Okay. Well, I really do want to go back and do some tests <laughs> now, okay? Um, but no, like, new fever or anything like that. No big lymph nodes. Okay. I think let's go back and do some tests. Uh, so I'd still want to do cytology of the pustules. Uh, I'll do ear psychology and then, mm-hmm. you know, skin scrape. Yep. And let's, you know, see what we get. Okay. So uh, ear cytology showed too numerous to count neutrophils with the occasional cocci. Okay. Cytology of the pustules was similar. Okay. Uh, bacterial pyoderma in otitis externa was diagnosed and chlorhexidine shampoo was continued. And the puppy was started on Clavalox orally. Okay. And also started on Momatamax for the otitis. Okay, Momentumax is a brand name of a common, like, you know, multimodal treatment for otitis. It's got a steroid, an antibiotic, and an anti-yeast medication in it. I still think that's relatively reasonable. They at least demonstrated cocci on cytology before starting systemic antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still frowny-faced about my no-skin scraping, but I'm going <laughs> to emotionally recover from that. What happened then? The next day, our little puppy comes back to the clinic because he's now lethargic and not eating. And the puppy now has a fever of 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. We have generalized enlarged lymph nodes. The puppy's depressed. He will take treats from the staff and wag his tail, but prefers to remain laying down. The ulcerated lesions on the external ear canals are worse. Let's talk about differentials. Mm. Okay, so so we got a weird non-responsive pyoderma. Mm-hmm. I'm making a smiling face because <laughs> I'm like excited about it because I need to tell you a story about being a young veterinarian. Okay. Uh-oh. But that can wait. So we're going to say weird non-responsive pyoderma. This is a puppy that has not seen a lot of antibiotics in its life. We would think something like a bad resistant infection would be less likely. Mm-hmm. Although you can't rule that out at this point. Um, Again, demodicosis. I really feel like we need to check for that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but demodex doesn't usually make you have big lymph nodes or feel kind of sick or run a fever. So then it would be like demodex causing the skin lesion and like some other bullshit going on. So we'll 
leave that on the list. Um, maybe a drug reaction. We mm-hmm. did just start uh, the heartworm prevention, but it seems like the puppy had at least some of these symptoms earlier than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It kind of feels more like something else, but yeah. I think it should be on the list. Maybe some sort of weird immune-mediated disease process, you know, like pemphigus or some other immune-mediated crapola. Okay, and then there's one main differential that made me giggle smile earlier, Mm -hmm. okay? And that is because I have seen a similar presentation in my career very early. And um, my mentor veterinarian at that time, the very first job that I had at school, uh, the veterinarian, like, came to me and was like, hey, I saw that this puppy is coming in to see you, and I read the history already. And I just need you to know that this is going to be something called juvenile cellulitis or puppy strangles. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he was like, look, I just need to tell you that ahead of time, just reading the history, that you need to keep that on your list. Because he, as a young veterinarian, had seen a case (laughs) of puppy strangles and not recognized it. And he was like... Um, treating it with antibiotics, like treating it like a bad pyderma. It just wasn't getting better. And then he, he dealt with this for like weeks. Finally, another veterinarian was like, somebody's got strangles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he put it on steroids and it got better. So he was like, I just don't want you to make my same mistake. So I'm just telling you ahead of time that this second opinion on your schedule, it's going to be puppy strangles. Just, I mean, keep, keep an open mind, but just know that that's what it's going to be. And like, you need to make sure that you read up on that before the visit. And that's totally what it was. <laughs> and so I always think of that because had he not pulled me aside, I don't know that I would have recognized it, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not something that we go over a ton in vet school. Mm-hmm. Um, there was maybe like a national board question about it that I remember. And other than that, like that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's a disease process that I kind of forget about until you see it present to you. And then you're like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Yes. When I got this case, then I was very excited about <laughs> it. So, Okay. Juvenile cellulitis needs to be on our list of differentials. So what all exactly is involved with juvenile cellulitis? So juvenile cellulitis or puppy strangles is a skin disease that affects puppies. It is considered to be a sterile pyogranulomatous syndrome. Sterile meaning there's not really an organism that causes it. It's not bacterial. It's not fungal. Pyogranulomatous meaning that's the type of inflammation that we see. And then syndrome, because again, we don't know the etiology, so we're calling it a syndrome because it kind of presents clinically as a bundle, but we don't understand really why. Common symptoms of juvenile cellulitis include facial edema, pustular dermatitis, and enlarged lymph nodes. And those lymph nodes can be either regionally enlarged or generalized, so all over the body. What's the underlying cause? Well, we don't know. So. It is thought to be some type of maybe an immune issue because they do respond to treatment with steroids, which we'll get back to in a little bit. We think an immune dysfunction or maybe an immune reaction. Uh, That would make sense because it responds. Affected puppies often have just received their first round of vaccines. So some sort of vaccine-associated etiology has been proposed. Uh, But it doesn't really fit with all cases. And I personally have seen cases that have had all their vaccines already. And 
some with no correlation to vaccine that we can find. Mm -hmm. So the jury is out here. And there might also be a heritable component because there is a breed predisposition. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Okay. So what are the typical clinical findings? Puppies between three weeks and four months of age. It's rare in older dogs, but it can happen in dogs older than four months of age. Usually they have acute facial swelling that is symmetrical. It often involves the eyelids, so Mm -hmm. blepharitis. Mm -hmm. Some of the sources that I was reading made it seem like facial swelling is the first symptom, but I haven't always seen that to be the case, and I'm not sure why. Like, there usually is a facial swelling component, but I've often seen them have the pustules first. So I don't know if it's a function of maybe these being little puppies often brand new to the client and to the vet. Maybe you just don't know what their normal face looks like. And so a little swelling, you're not really able to tell until it gets really worse. I don't know. So I'll just say that's one time when the book didn't follow what I have seen Mm -hmm. clinically, because I have seen a lot of these be a second opinion type of diagnosis. Mm -hmm. When there are enlarged lymph nodes, usually it's the submandibular lymph nodes, but any lymph nodes can be affected. And I would say, again, in the cases that I've seen, I've seen more generalized lymphadenopathy, including like really crazy big inguinal lymph nodes has been a common thing that I have personally seen. The lymph nodes can sometimes get real bad and they may fistulate and drain and be like a disgusting draining mess. I had one of those one time. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Sinus infection from hell. Oh, you mean you personally? Oh, gross, JJ. Right I can't handle humans. Yeah, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I thought it was a zit or something, and I went to the doctor and I said, no, sister, that's your lymph node. What? Yeah. Oh, that is insane. Oh, my God. Good Yuck. <laughs> okay. Um, so, the big lymph nodes is one way that you can differentiate this from something like angioedema, which would be like the type of swollen face you get from an allergic reaction. Because in an allergic reaction, you don't necessarily expect the lymph nodes to be big. Yeah. So these puppies will often develop papules and pustules, and they rupture and become crusted. It's yucky. (laughs) And then they're most often on the muzzle, nose, and around the eyes, but also often near the prepuce, inguinal, and perianal regions, and then on the insides of the ear pinnas. And sometimes you'll get a full-blown otitis externa. And I will say, in my experience, this looks different from your standard puppy with a yeast infection. It's like you lift up the ear pinna and the entire medial surface and external canal will just be an oozing sore. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, gross, like, holy crap. So it's not like your typical puppy ear infection. It's like, damn, girl, this is a super bad, (laughs) super bad, super inflamed. And those ears are painful. And... Sometimes they'll even get these painful subcutaneous nodules, similar to those seen in paniculitis. You might see systemic signs like lethargy, fever, and anorexia sometimes, but not always. Sometimes you catch them before those develop. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally lameness due to inflammation of the metathesis or a polyarthritis. Mm. JJ, what does that remind you of? My brain just totally said, I'm going to erase myself like an exosketch right now. Dun, 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 dun. Circus? No, I was being your brain. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, that's really? exactly. Uncool. Okay. Um, is H-O-D. that a poodle? 
Okay, I'm uh, online again. Yes, it was a poodle. Standard poodle. Mm-hmm. Swollen joints, fever, lethargy, can't walk good, not eating, HOD. Come on. Oh, I oh remember my it now. Okay. I do. Uh, now I feel devastated <laughs> emotionally. Okay. We've done a lot of episodes. All right, that's fair. Wah, wah. <laughs> mm. But I mean, anyway. I, I remembered it because I remembered it was a poodle. Okay. Well, guess what? In one write-up that I found, uh, they described an episode of juvenile cellulitis occurring immediately following an episode of HOD. Interesting. Interesting. So, are they related? I don't know. It's intriguing. I don't know. It just smells autoimmune, kind of. It Right? Yes. Similar. Overall. Juvenile cellulitis is supposed to be uncommon. Like, the sources are like an uncommon disease, a rare disease. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I see this. I mean, you see it. I've seen it several times. There are some uncommon diseases I've never recognized. I'm going to say recognized, you know, (laughs) because it could be wrong. But juvenile cellulitis, though, girl, I have seen some. I probably have, too. It's just not. Coming to my brain. And again, like we were talking about last week with Addison's disease, like um, it could be because of my ER work, mm-hmm. because it's like um, I keep getting these like second opinions where they similar to this, where they've like seen the regular vet or whatever, and then they'll come into the ER and they're like, they, this ear infection is not getting better. And I look at the dog and I'm like, you, <laughs> we're going to have a little, we're going to start so anyway, this ain't right. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I don't think, I would not call this a zebra. I don't know that I would use the term rare. I would say, I think uncommon is reasonable, but not rare. I don't think the term rare is reasonable for this. Mm-hmm. You see it. You see it. So how do you go about diagnosing it? Okay, well, it's usually a diagnosis based on clinical presentation. You can do skin biopsies to confirm, um, but just being real with you, Usually that is not done, Uh, not unless there's a major concern that we're missing the mark. There's some big question about it, or we really think that there's probably something different going on. Yeah, it's pretty invasive. Yeah, yeah, it's just because they respond, you know, and you just treat them and they get better. I would say it's uncommon, okay? Mm -hmm. Once you see a case of this, you're going to be like, bam, juvenile cellulitis. Like every other time you see it, like it's, you know, it's pretty classic in these puppies kind of read the textbook like it's it's pretty exciting it's kind of like once you see hod for the first time and then you're like i'm never gonna forget this like i know what this is okay so when you do biopsy the lesions though you can get a definitive diagnosis that way samples will show neutrophilic inflammation around the hair follicles and the superficial dermis usually without a new organism seen but there might be some if a secondary infection has set in And if you biopsy chronic lesions, you might see fibrotic tissue because of scarring. So if you run a CBC, you may see leukocytosis, which is elevated white blood cell count, and neutrophilia. The cell line that's elevated is going to be neutrophils. And you might see enormocytic normochromic anemia, which means a low red blood cell count with a normal cell appearance and shape and size. On cytology, you will see neutrophils and macrophages, with or without organisms, depending on if secondary infection is present. It is a good idea to do skin scrapes, because demodex can be concurrent, or 
it can even create a similar presentation if the puppy is sick with some other thing. Mm-hmm. So our differential of Demodex plus some other bullshit is like reasonable. It was literally in the information that I reviewed mm-hmm. for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do bacterial or fungal cultures, they usually come back negative. What are the breed predispositions? So the Golden Retriever, Gordon Setter, which I had never heard of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dotson and Brittany Spaniel. There is one report of a family of affected Dotsons, which is interesting. There's a paper about it. Uh, but any dog, any dog, I've seen it. Mixed breed dogs. I mean, just any kind of dog can get this. And sometimes it happens in a single dog. Sometimes multiple in a litter will be affected. And sometimes the whole damn litter will be affected. So that's why we're thinking, you know, some some sort of a genetic issue, maybe. You know what's going to happen? Uh, what? Um, our... Pending new puppy is probably going to get this. Because we talked about it on the podcast? Yep. It'll get that or HOD, just wait. Yep. Yeah, for sure. At least it's not a Weimar honor. No, no. They're very pretty, but they're very psychotic. I thought you were going to say, why not, Maroner? Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. My, my brain's not... Yeah, but JJ. I'm not firing on my cylinders. Well, what happened? Let's go back to this little puppy. We have a lot of clinical signs here. And we talked about how this is usually diagnosed on clinical suspicions. So, if I was going to update my diagnostic wish list for this puppy, it would be, again, cytology of the pustules. Like, I know we did it, you know, the second visit, but maybe just do it one more time, just to make sure we don't see anything else. No little pesky fungal disease or anything like that hiding out. I would get skin scrapings, just look for Demodex, just mm-hmm. to prove to myself. And I might aspirate the lymph nodes. I don't know if I'd send them out, but I'd at least look at them in the house and send them out if I saw weird bullshit that I wasn't expecting. And then, I'm going to be honest, I probably wouldn't biopsy this puppy mm-hmm. just because of how textbook it is. Um, but I think it's always best to discuss that, you know, with the owner and ultimately have them decide. Mm-hmm. So how I might present that is just to say what we said on the podcast. Like, hey, biopsy is really the only way to definitively diagnose it. But here's what it would take. 50 cupcakes, probably. Mm-hmm. Five to seven day waiting time before we get the results back. I'm going to want to start treatment in the meantime for this. But that's the option that we have. And, you know, see what they want to do. Yeah. Because ultimately, the owner needs to be comfortable. And I've found that if you kind of don't let them know what all the options are and they found out on the back end, then they get more mad than if you had just talked to them up front about mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. Whatever we do with the puppy needs to, you know, needs to be something that the owner feels comfortable about. Right. For comfortable. Feels comfortable about. (laughs) So, um, what happens in this case? So, cytology of the pustules show neutrophilic inflammation, again, with the occasional cocci. Uh, Lymph node aspirates examined in-house also shows neutrophilic inflammation. Okay. Skin scrapings were negative for Demodex. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least we did them. Okay. We okay. did them. And it would have been worse if it, we had that. So, good news. Yep. Did not do biopsies. Okay. And juvenile cellulitis was diagnosed based on clinical presentation and history. Okay. Well, now we need to talk about treatment. Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned that the treatments for this is steroids. Yes. Glucocorticoids are the treatment of choice. And between this and our first episode, we were talking about prednisone a hell of a lot. But prednisone or prednisolone are most commonly used. Mm -hmm. 
um, those patients with paniculitis might need a longer duration of treatment. Um, and you could use something like dexamethasone if, like, the puppy isn't eating well or something like that. So what other treatment is indicated? Well, there have been reports of using cyclosporin in combination with prednisone, and my understanding is that that's mostly if cases are kind of taking a while to respond and we need to try to reduce the amount of steroid that's being used long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was at least one report of use of griseofulvin that seemed to help. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't pull that whole paper. I did just read that abstract. <laughs> so bad me, hand slap on that. But I don't know why they were investigating it as a potential. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that. You can read that paper if you want to know more about that <laughs> tidbit. I felt like it was outside of the scope of this podcast. There's your homework. So, because Fred is cheap and widely available and relatively safe to use mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. So that's what uh, that's probably what I would do. In my experience, most respond to steroids, so that's yeah. what I use. And then supportive care as needed. I've hospitalized some of these puppies before if they're not eating and drinking or if they have a high fever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a call them like see them situation. Antibiotic or topical therapies if the puppy has secondary bacterial infection. But it's important to remember that antibiotics alone are not going to fix this. And then treat any concurrent Demodex. <laughs> so what about uh, prognosis? How do they tend to do? Uh, usually pretty well. They respond quickly, like within a day, usually, to steroids. Like, if you put these puppies on steroids, you're going to be like, damn, this puppy feels better. Now, their <laughs> gross draining skin lesions might not be gone in a day, but you're going to be like, attitude, turn around. This puppy is no longer profoundly ill. Steroids are tapered gradually over about a month or more slowly if you start to see a relapse at, as you taper. And then after finishing steroids, about 10% of all uh, cases will have at least one relapse. Hmm. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's still a good prognosis to have. Okay. So, JJ. Yep. What happened in this case? So the puppy was started on prednisone at recommended doses listed in Plum's formulary. Okay. Uh, Clavimox, Mometamax, and Chlorhexidine topical shampoo were continued. Hospitalization was discussed since the puppy wasn't eating well, but ultimately the clients decided to take him home for some TLC. Okay. They hand-offered food and water overnight, and he did well. Oh, that's good. That's Mm -hmm. something I forgot to mention earlier. You do have to, you know, kind of coax him to eat and stuff. I'm not a fan of force feeding by any means, but Mm -hmm. hand-offering the bowl so they don't have to reach down to it when they're hurting and uncomfortable, I think will help a lot. Yeah. Okay, by the next day, the puppy was eating very well again. All right. <laughs> that pret kicked in. That's good. right. <laughs> and the owners were able to give medication and a pill pocket type treats. And the puppy made a full recovery and had no further complications. Fantastic. Yay, puppies. Well, man, that was a short and sweet one, wasn't it? Yeah. I like, that's why I like juvenile cellulitis, because it can be hard to figure out. But once you know, you're like, I know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. I know how to fix this. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, let's talk about sources for today. Mm-hmm. Three main ones uh, that we'll put the links for in the show notes. Uh, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Vencyclopedia Entries for Diseases, so uh, that featured prominently in our podcast, so the Vencyclopedia Entry for Juvenile Cellulitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then proceedings from two conferences, the Western Veterinary Conference in 2020 and the Pacific Vet Conference in 2022, because the VIN chapter had not been updated since 2019. So we just needed to look at more recent stuff because 2019 has been a hot minute, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. Last time I worked as a tech. It's like five years, isn't it? Oh, God. 2019, 2020, 21, 22, 20, like four years. Wow. That's a hot minute. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Those are our sources, and you can look up the details and authors and things like that in the show notes. Yay. Well, I mean, we have, like, not even just a few minutes left. We got, like, 20 minutes that we could use. You know, sometimes we could just have a shorter episode. That's fine. Yeah. But maybe we'll use this to get caught up on how things are going. And your voice sounds better today. Yes. Like, how's it going with that? It is getting better. I feel like every week it's yeah. improved. But this from last week to this week has been the most like marked improvement. I think it's dramatic. Yeah, it's, um, it's I've noticed it hanging out longer. Yeah, and I did go back to the speech pathologist and got some more camera footage, and it it cool. does it looks a lot better. Instead Can we of, put your larynx on the social media? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Everyone, check out JJ's larynx on social media. We can give you the before and after photos. I do have a uh, quite the funny story about that. Okay. So, um, we we know my friend Shia. She's been on the podcast. Yep. Shia Baker. The trainer. Um, Famous vet tech, dog mm-hmm. trainer, and engineer? Uh, she's not an engineer, but okay. she works with um, logistics. She's a manager Fancy. now at Boeing. She yes. got promoted. Woo, girl. Mm-hmm. She is the busiest person I know. I'm sorry. My Lord. All right. All right. So what happened with she? So we were talking about, um, you know, the fact that we were getting a new puppy. Yeah. And we are also known for, like, sending each other random stuff with no context. So literally, like, five minutes before we were talking about how I was waiting to find out if the dog was pregnant that we were going to be getting the puppies from. And then the next video I sent was... The video from my initial visit with a speech pathologist <laughs> of my yeah. uh, focal cords. <laughs> and <laughs> shortly thereafter, there was a WTF. What am I looking at here? <laughs> this doesn't look like like dog anatomy. She thought it was like an obstetrics and <laughs> yeah. ga- gynecology exactly. canine related video. And you were I like, was like <laughs> what breeder's going to send me that? That's oh my God. Interesting. <laughs> I said, <laughs> No, dear, that's my vocal cord. Oh, goes, no. Oh, well, I was yes. wondering what It's that not was. the cervix. No. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah. Mm. So we, we had a good laugh about that. Wow. But, yeah, where previously my vocal cords d- wouldn't meet and the edges were completely white. Wow. Which they said were it was like ulcerated. necrotic and shit? I don't think it was necrotic, wow. but definitely ulcerated. Ulcerated then. Angry. So when your larynx, like those saloon doors would open, they wouldn't fully close. Correct. So you can't then make your voice make the noises that it normally would because Mm -hmm. it's not as flexible as normal. Yeah, they weren't able to rub against each other. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay. So now there's only like one spot towards the bottom Mm -hmm. that still has that, the rest of them. And they are meeting and you could actually see them meeting and vibrating. Wow. Uh, the way that she has you do this to see it is interesting because she basically 
does me like a dog that you're intubating. She gets a piece of dog gauze, grabs my tongue, pulls it out, <laughs> and then puts the camera in. And then I have to like make a while you're awake. Oh yeah, I'm sitting in a chair. While does it not? Time. Does it choke you, kind of? Um, after a while, but she doesn't do it repeatedly. She does it maybe two or three times, and she kind of goes slow. But you're also having to make like this weird grin and then go e and uh and yeah so you're making these noises and you look really ridiculous but Amazing. that's how she can get in there and i i feel like there's like low-hanging fruit of an obscene joke that i'm oh, i'm not gonna make it but just i need to do acknowledge it and but we're gonna move straight on yes okay there was many times i was sitting in there like trying not to laugh because mainly <laughs> she wants you to make some of these noises and stuff and to just, not only to see the the vibration, but also certain ways that you do stuff will relax everything yeah. so that she see better. And of course, as soon as you laugh, you can see it go, everything tightens up oh. in there. So, yeah, but I have to keep doing my breathing exercises and all that fun stuff. Well, look, it's working. It's working. I think it's like so much better. So for listeners... The last episode that you heard, JJN, the snack episode, I mean, that was two weeks ago, right? Because we didn't record last week. Right. So that's been two weeks since that. That is a huge, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like right now you just sound like you have a little cold and not like you can barely talk, yep. which is where you were at most of the spring, I feel like. I was. And fall. I was, I mean, in October, and winter. I lost it. <laughs> I yeah, lost it the in whole October. Time. Uh, every been, it was gone. I yes. mean, that was not a trace of a voice. It was, it was like a very whispery thing. And uh, every week on work meetings, it was the same thing. It was like, JJ, you sound awful. Are yeah. you okay? I'm like, I'm really fine. At I just that can't point, talk. you just need to use that chat box. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yes, I'm happy to be somewhat normal again. The only thing I'm not happy about is that I have to start making my own phone calls again. Oh, that but, is devastating. It was nice okay. with Ben doing oh, those for me. Ben do it? Oh, no. Well, they couldn't hear me. Oh, Who did you call? I had tons of doctor's appointments, like doctor's appointments. and stuff. So. Girl, look. Portal all the way. Mm. I just type message into that damn portal and send it. Do they answer it? Mm, that's Half the, the time, Maybe. Yeah, but look, I just I hate talking on the phone. I, I do it. too. I, I don't do not care for it. I hate bothering people for appointments, even though that's what they're there for. But sure. it's excruciatingly bleh. Well, look, they don't they don't make it easy either. No, then you call. They don't know what they're talking about. They sound irritated, and I, then I'm already like activated. I'm mm-hmm. activated by them sounding irritated. It's just not good. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Well, look, I took yesterday the first of my two boards test, and I passed it with first try with a really high score. Did we have any doubts? I always have doubts, JJ. <laughs> but I, I did it. I formulated the plan and executed it, and so. It's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. any kind of board, professional level boards test is, is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's a lot of info. It's a lot of weirdly phrased questions. Mm-hmm. Like, which one is the best answer? And it's yeah. like, bitch. They try to trick you. Look, I can make a case for every one of these answers. I want to do all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I still have one more boards to pass. 
And I have to, like, you know, graduate, which would be in December. Mm-hmm. So I've got a ways to go yet. But, like, it's coming up really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, I've only got, like, six or seven true months of this left. Yep. Like, it's exciting. Very. Then I have to worry about jumping on through the hoops of licensure. But you know what? Like, one thing at a time. But, like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, marking things off, getting the next thing done. However... Um, I think I might be a little bit punch drunk as far as like mentally out <laughs> it, not operating great. I definitely always after a big thing like this, will go through a period of a couple of days where I feel kind of like let down, like mm-hmm. a little depressed, maybe even it's like the day after Christmas. Kind of. Although it's like prep, 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 prep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think Christmas and exam are very different well, sort yeah, of experiences. But- Happiness-wise for me, but it's like the big event. You've been preparing for it, and now it came, and you did the thing, and now it's like... Now what? Like, I I do feel a little bit like... Yeah, I would say depressed, maybe, for today. And then the weirdest shit happened to me. I got up this morning like normal. Everything was normal at my house. Like, nothing was weird. And I just happened to look outside, like, at my back door. Like, the blinds were closed. Like, I wasn't heading out into the backyard. Like I just happened to go physically look because I heard a bird and wanted to see who was in the yard. And when I opened the blinds, the hatchback on my car was open. Uh Oh, like just not open a little. I'm talking about fully wide ass open, standing open. And I'm like, what the hell? And I saw text Carl. I'm like, did you need to get into my car for something this morning? And he was like, no. And I was like, what the, how long has this been open? I go back through all my camera footage, like from around my house and nothing shows the car. What? Like I got home from my exam yesterday. I did not get anything out of the back. I went inside and I had a normal night. No one went to my car. So either. Do you have a back end open on the remote? Yes. So when I come in the door, I immediately take my keys out of my pocket and put them on the desk. Okay. But like, did I accidentally push it between there or whatever? But what that would mean is that my car trunk was open for more than 12 hours of time. Just sitting there Mm. in the middle of my neighborhood where things are stolen constantly. And probably and, wildlife could have investigated. Sure. I mean, who knows what all is in my car? I didn't check before I came. I just hopped in there. But could have had a there's bird probably somewhere. snakes and all kinds of shit in there. <sighs> but, um, but yeah, I was like, what the hell? That's the mental state I'm in, apparently, is that I either opened it purposefully and didn't remember to close it and don't remember doing any of that. <laughs> or I hit the button at some point walking in my house and just left it open for the whole time. Well, luckily it's still there. Right. And here's here's the weirder part. Like, I looked. Nothing seemed out of place. It didn't look like anything had been rifled through. My glove compartment wasn't open. Like, nothing. And I don't keep anything of value in my car. That doesn't mean it's clean. But my mom came last week to visit me. The day that she went to leave, I was helping her pack. We got around to the driver's side. And I was like, why is your glove compartment open? And she was like... I figured you had opened it. And I was like, no, it was just like hanging open. And I was like, has it been open all night? And she was like, I no, like I did not go in there. I did not get anything out of the glove compartment. So this is twice in a two week period 
where one of our cars has had something just randomly happen overnight that we swear we didn't do, but nothing's missing. Weird. Well, JJ, what about a favorite thing for you? Probably would be the um, amazing experience I had uh, yesterday with my family. Okay. Um, I was going down to Birmingham, which is about two hours away for my niece's graduation. And she got all graduated. She was so pretty. Oh. And she did so big. Is it high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, high school. My aunt had the wonderful premonition, (laughs) is what I call it. But I think she would call it just an idea. Maybe we should go and, like, drop our cars off there, go ahead and park. Oh, yeah. um, My cousin Jessica can just take us to go grab some food. Well, when we got there... It was already super packed. Yeah. So it was a good plan. We got the two last two parking places on this little hill. Oh, yeah. That was pretty close to the gymnasium. So uh, we were like, good plan. But now we only have like 45 minutes. So we all hopped in the car with my cousin, went through the drive through at Chick-fil-A, hoovered some chicken sandwiches, made it back to the um, site. She dropped us off and we got in and got settled pretty quick. And it was good because within 20 minutes, I mean, that place was packed. Y'all had that valet concierge service straight to the door with the Chick-fil-A. Yes. So it was like like, a smooth visit. It was so smooth. You were like relaxed, Mm -hmm. fed. You didn't have any anxiety about where you needed to drive or go or park, which is like a, I know, a major issue that JJ deals with. Major. So you had like a really fun I had, uh, they gave me, without knowing it, the introvert experience. Absolutely. It was amazing. To have someone like drop you off with food, like Mm -hmm. in your sunglasses, you know, like (laughs) like you just go straight in. Amazing. 10 out of 10. They were like with most people, the door people were making people toss their drinks. We got in with our big old, I had myself a. Uh, um, take old drink and cruise on in. Look, yep. if you go in places like that with an attitude of like, I'm chill, this is fine, I'm supposed to be here, they, they're not going to stop. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Fantastic. And got to see my niece graduate and made it home before midnight. <laughs> At first, I thought it was going to be terrible because they said they had 13 valid Victorians. And I was like, "Sorry, how does that work? 13 valedictorians? 13. Yeah. So no they all tied I, I'm for assuming. 4.0 or whatever? I don't know, but I'm like, are all these Well, now they do GPA different than when I was in school. 4.0 is the highest you could get. There was not a different situation. And now people are like, I have a 5.0. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? And they're like, well, it's honors. And I'm like, I don't, our school didn't do that. Yeah. So no. I, I don't know what the, but when they, they, said they had 13 of them. I was like, are they all going to do a speech? Because that's going to be long. But no, they just had the top two, I guess, do a speech. Yeah. How in the hell? And then the class president so did one. Well, just, that might be, was it a real big high school too? Not really. I mean, bigger than mine, but not the biggest in the area by any means. When I think of the big, I mean. I mean it was like a little over 300. Yeah, okay. To me, that's very big mm-hmm. because my high school had 29 well, they're like when I graduated. Sister school Hoover has six to eight hundred usually. Wow, as a graduating that's class. so many. Yeah, the, in fact, this high school was established in two thousand and one as a relief for that one school. And, Holy crap! Yes, yeah, Hoover. So it's like a college campus it's essentially. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow, family graduations I think are one of my favorite family events because it's not the pressure of Christmas. It's not the pressure of birthdays. 
there's just it's just like chill. It's also in the springtime a lot of times, so it's not hot as hell or cold. You can be outside. It's like tiny jacket weather still, <laughs> you know, mid to early May. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just relaxed. People are generally real happy at graduations. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just seems like, I don't know, every graduation party that I can immediately remember has been very cool. And very, like, laid back, and no one is freaking out about anything, and it's just, like, a very cool experience. Yeah. So, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. What would be your favorite thing is? <laughs> I would say, I mean, besides passing my first of two boards, that's probably the biggest <laughs> news that I have <laughs> from this week. Um, well, you've had some free time a little bit. Yeah, I have had free time this month because I wasn't in school. But kind of I've been studying for boards. Mm -hmm. Like I got out of school. Then we had some podcast administrative stuff that I was really, really working on for a couple of weeks. And then I had to start studying. And my mom came to visit in the middle of that. And then I had to finish studying and take boards. And so now we're kind of here. And my break is almost over. So I have Mm -hmm. like two more weeks left in my break. And I guess that could be my favorite thing is like, I have this two weeks left. I have several things planned, but many of them are like things that I want to do for like personal enrichment type of things that I wouldn't normally have time to do. I, uh, you know, I guess I feel like things, <laughs> it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, all coming oh, yeah. together. it's all coming together. Woo-hoo. That's exciting. It is exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, that just about wraps up our episode. If you have cases, questions, things you want to talk with us about, you can always send it via email to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And new feature on our website is we have a case submission form. So if for whatever reason you super don't want to just type an email, you can go on the website and fill out the form and click submit on the form. Do it. Do it. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> and it's at Introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. It do. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>